Barkley and Marotta Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Now let's meet the starting lineup for the visiting Minnesota Timberwolves. Those are the words that came out of my mouth as I spoke into the PA microphone Tuesday night. Except meeting the Timberwolves starters wasn't going to be that easy. For last night's game, the lighting concept in the arena for the visitor introductions was a red wash. Really cool effect. The problem was I had written out the starters for the Timberwolves on my white piece of paper with red ink, and they were completely washed out and impossible to see. I was basically looking at a light pink piece of paper, squinted hard, and got through it. Even after the lights came on fully at Footprint Center, clear vision wasn't exactly in abundance, at least according to the early shooting numbers for the Suns and T-Wolves. I'd be lying if I said aggressive defense wasn't also largely responsible, but the Suns shot 36% in the first half. They were able to still build a seven-point halftime lead. After the break, things got easier. Phoenix blistered the Nets at a 59% clip in the second half, including 61% from three-point range. Cam Johnson led the way by hitting all four of his deep shots in quarters three and four. There was more than shooting on display for the Suns, though. I mentioned the defense, which at times was stifling. But we also saw Minnesota's defense, spearheaded by Anthony Edwards, make things very difficult on Devin Booker, who had his worst shooting night of the season. Booker re-entered the game with 8.35 left in the fourth quarter, with the Suns clinging to a two-point lead after a 12-3 run by the T-Wolves to start the quarter. Only Booker would not save the day as he played just one minute, eight seconds before picking up his fifth foul and headed back to the bench. After that, that's when the Suns got Chris Paul reassurance. CP3 didn't take over the game, but looked very much like his vintage self. He got his hand on the ball, which led to a turnover that turned into another Johnson 3 to extend the lead to 7 with under 8 minutes to go. He hit an elbow jumper to stretch the lead to 8 with under 3 minutes to play. He again got to his spot and hit a 14-footer and followed that with a dagger 3-pointer 34 seconds later, which essentially iced the game, although Minnesota would get stubborn and foul and call timeouts pretty much the rest of the way. Bottom line, last night showed regular season wins still do very much matter to this group of Suns, and it was nice to rely on Chris Paul in game-swinging situations and have him deliver once again. Oh, and note to self, only bold black ink for the starters from now on. Uh, <laughs> good good night for the Suns team last night uh, for, on a couple of different reasons. Um the game that Cam Johnson put forward is is sort of like the game he was playing and the games he was playing right before he got hurt last year in that game against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And if this is sort of now, okay, Cam Johnson sort of getting comfortable now in this role as starter and replacing Jay Crowder then 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 this is there's a lot of optimism that comes off last night's game in fact I, I much prefer the optimism of watching cam johnson do what he did last night and mikhail bridges continue showing signs of that leveling up that we keep talking mm-hmm. about than i am about the bench having an off night because that's yes. because to me you, you've got to have a starting five you know what a championship team looks like and for this one to be one cam johnson's got to be that guy and i and i'm fairly confident mikhail is that guy but there's a lot there's a lot on cam johnson plate this year in terms of not only replacing Jay Crowder, but in terms of fulfilling his own potential. Last night was great for that. I I love to see it because he's a great kid. He's one of the best quotes on the team. 
This is it's a really cool thing. It's also fascinating to me as I was watching this last night. I had a couple of different weird thoughts. Number one, I thought, could you imagine being Jay Crowder watching that game last night? <laughs> could you imagine looking at that and, and having to look at the reality that this team does not miss me at all? Yeah, I mean, there's always that part of it. When you make a stance like Jay Crowder made, for whatever the reasons are, and we don't know the, the clear reasons behind that decision by Jay Crowder, you have to assume that he's still monitoring things. Yeah. But the feeling is, oh, yeah, I'll show these guys. Yeah. This, this stance will, will prove my worth. They don't need him. And, and right like now, it. it's seven games of 82. There's 75 games left. Right. It's such a marathon. But right now, it doesn't even really look like they need to act fast to get a piece to help this this group right now. Yeah. That's kind of a chip that can be played later by James Jones, should should he choose to. Right. And it's so this is a very sturdy beginning and and I've I was hoping that that this basketball team would be carrying a silent grudge into this season in which it was going to be all about deeds and actions mm-hmm. and not words. And I think that's exactly what we've seen. Whether or not that's actually the case, whether or not Devin Booker and Chris Paul are burning to kind of show everybody, look, you got us wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it sure feels that way, and it's a great, great deal. I know we're going to get into the Nets in a little while. The other thought I had is this is exactly the kind of thing, and it's premature for this for this conversation, and I'm sure we'll have it very frequently in the coming weeks and months, but I can't help my brain from going there because everything is blowing up in Brooklyn, and the idea of conceptually, do the Suns even want to re-engage with Kevin Durant? Because you know what it's going to cost. If Cam Johnson keeps playing like this, and Mikhail Bridges is playing like this, and and if DA continues to show what he's showing, come middle of January, the Brooklyn Nets may be very willing to make a deal like that. But if you've got Cam Johnson taking steps up and you've got Mikhail Bridges leveling up, do you even want to go there? Do you even want to get involved with a guy that keeps being part of toxic situations? It's a fascinating debate to have. He's the least toxic part right now in the Brooklyn mix. And that's not saying he doesn't have culpability in it. Uh Uh-huh. But... He's he's, he's the a, he's the adult. He's in the room. practically a hazmat suit at this point <laughs> compared to. But right. it's going to come down to the the basic fact that the Suns all know and we only know pieces of is why did they fail last year? Mm-hmm. Because they could look at the team uh-huh. and say like you know we, we're doing so great again. Yeah. But is this going to be enough to win a championship? Right. And if they say no, and then maybe they'll still make that Durant trade. Maybe. Well, but that, but then again, that that would be such a weighty decision to make because then you've got to really then you're then you're betting that what you're seeing in the regular season translates. And it's really it's, tough. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's such a fascinating debate. And again, it feels really premature to have it. But uh, but I can't stop my brain from going there because of what's happened in Brooklyn and what we're seeing with the Suns team so far. It is really just wonderful to see that the Suns are just really good again. It's only the regular season and it's early, but it's amazing how they are just as good as they were last year. Yeah, they kind of picked up. After all the stuff in the offseason. They picked up where they left off about two weeks prior to the end of the regular season last year. Mm -hmm. That's with some new pieces. Cam Johnson, by the way, had not had a real smooth first couple weeks of the season. He had battled injury in a few games. He had the cramps in the opener. You know, he had the, he was heavily contused at one point. Um, And he wasn't shooting the ball necessarily as, as well as he can shoot it. He talked about that last night continuing to get encouragement from his team uh, even when the shots 
were not falling. After I missed those first three shots, they're like, "What are you like?" I came off a handoff and didn't shoot it. They're like, "What are you doing?" Like, they looked at me like I was stupid. I was like, "All right, guys, like I get the memo." Like, I tell you guys all the time, it's really helpful as a shooter when you have coaches and people that encourage you to take the next shot, even if you're 0 for 10. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I've had the opposite in my career where where coaches have, you know, stop shooting. What are you doing? You know, you got that in the back of your head. But when you got everybody's confidence behind you, um, it, it, every shooter knows it. It, it helps a lot. Um, so, you know, just continuing to do what I do. And, you know, we work on it. Chris Paul just said in the locker room, I heard him. He said, no matter how many shots you miss, we work on them enough to continue to shoot the next ones. It's not like it's our first time shooting a basketball in any situation. Um, so just kind of going with that mindset and, and just playing the game and forgetting about the pass. Yeah, that, that is very evident is the encouragement that this team, uh, Cam Johnson talked about it there. I can't hear what goes on on the bench, uh, you know, in those instances, but Monty Williams spends a, a lot of the game standing right in front of where I sit, so mm-hmm. I can hear a lot of his inner monologue that becomes outer monologue, Yeah, and there's five times a game where he you know, somebody will pass up a shot. It doesn't matter how they're shooting. He'll say, if it's open, you know, shoot that ball. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the one that stood out to me was, was a Chris Paul situation last night. Um, and they do, I mean, here's another sign of the encouragement that this team has. Things started to get tight in the fourth quarter. Out of a timeout, they called the play for Bismack for Bismack Biombo. I know, and it paid and off. It worked. Yes, I know. Like, it was, was a great like, pass by Mikel, but yeah. you know, and Bismack oh. Biombo is not an automatic bucket. No, and I th- and I think it was might it might have been that first game against Dallas, maybe the second game, but I, I remember cringing at a at an interior pass to Bismack who tried a jump hook that barely hit the side of the rim, and I'm like, no, that ain't it. <laughs> yeah. so can't do that. Yeah, but all in all, good win, six and one. The yeah. Phoenix Suns are heading into yep. the uh, week. Again, back to back with Portland. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, Cardinals don't make any moves at the deadline, but... Do they have the ingredients to actually fix this thing in a tight NFC West? That and more on the Arizona Cardinals next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Number for you, Bick. That number is 22. 22. What do you think that number represents? Um, As a, just a, I know a question out of the clear blue <laughs> that you've got no, <laughs> uh, no reason to know why I'm even asking that question. I have no idea. It is the average ranking for the Arizona Cardinals on this week's sampling of NFL power rankings. Oh. They went from 19.8 following their win over the Saints. Down to 22. Was this their lowest of the season? Second lowest. They were at 24.3 on average before the Saints game after the Seattle game, which, oh, by the way, they play Seattle again. Um, I mentioned um, one of the stats that came out on the defense. Cardinals ranked 32nd in defensive success rate, 31st in points allowed, uh, secondary giving up a lot of explosive plays. But on the offense, there's dysfunction as well. Uh, NFL.com points out, uh, here are the final five possessions for the Cardinals and included all this. A red zone miscommunication on third down that led to a shotgun snap fired off of Kyler Kyler Murray's left arm. 
We covered that. Mm-hmm. Muff punt by Greg Dortch. Murray interception. A Murray pass short of the sticks on fourth and four. And a blindside block personal foul on Eno Benjamin that doomed a frantic final drive in the closing seconds. They closed by saying, Arizona's issues are systemic. Which might be the reason behind... Not going all in at the trade deadline yesterday. Well, they, yeah. You know, they could have traded for Bradley Chubb. He was yeah. gettable, and he the Miami Dolphins got him. There have been a lot of guys gettable for the Cardinals over the last three to four months, and they've consistently passed on most of them. And and it's really weird to me that the one time they didn't pass was they had a, they felt immediately compelled to replace Hollywood Brown, which, which again, f- shows this fixation with giving Cliff Kingsbury wide receivers and tight ends in hopes that uh, the sheer abundance will finally make this thing work. It's, yeah, it, it, I, I agree with those current rankings. The Cardinals have been all over the map. They're flirting with being a good team. They fool people within, in times and in moments. But I, I think what they're saying very clearly by being inactive at trade deadline, even though you can make a real argument that the defense might be hitting a wall, mm-hmm. is the fact that they are admitting the talent is not an issue with this team. So what are they? What do they think is the issue with this team? Um, it, it, yeah. And and I think once again, I think to, to protect themselves, they'd probably tend to point the finger at the quarterback. It's his fault. He's just not as good as we thought he would be. I, again, I I look at this and I I heard Cliff Kingsbury talk about huddling and how foreign it was to to Kyler Murray and himself because neither had ever done it. And I thought to myself, that would be perfectly plausible if we were midway through year one. We are midway through year four. And to finally be realizing, hey, you know what, maybe we better master this idea of of actually huddling and getting plays in expeditiously and getting guys to the line of scrimmage, not only not only knowing where they're supposed mm-hmm. to be with confidence, because if guys are looking around going, am I in the right place? What are we running? What are we doing? Do you think they're going to execute that play? No, no. But unless somebody makes a spectacular individual play, exactly, and that's and that's what is that's what's been the makeup and the cosmetics that's been saving this thing and holding this thing together. If it wasn't just Kyler Murray's miraculous plays in Vegas, then it was D Hop coming back and and covering up so many so many issues this team has operationally with just transcendent performances. And, and so uh, the fact that they're trying to get that fixed now, I don't know how much confidence you can have going forward. Mm-hmm. You're going up against teams that already have their stuff together, that have vibe, that have swagger, and and that's not what you got here. So the the idea to stand pat at trade deadline is a concession that, okay, we've got the talent. This isn't the GM's fault. Someone else's fault. And, it, you know, I, I think the subtext of everything is that, well, we have so many injuries. Oh. Once we get healthy, just like we heard all last year and all this year, once we have D hop back, because even the subtext of, of when they ask Cliff about what's the problem with the play calling, he says, well, there's so many new faces. We're trying to get so many new people acclimated to our offense that sometimes it takes longer than we thought. And that's, you know, him saying like, you know, we have, you know, Robbie Anderson now and we have new offensive linemen playing. Well, I mean, just that refrain publicly, Jerry. Is, is to me indicative of a lack of belief. I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it because I believe it's absolutely 100% true. Mm-hmm. Every team has injuries during the course of the season. Yeah. Teams that believe, 
Teams that have a, a, a connectivity throughout the roster will always talk about next man up. Mm-hmm. The teams that don't have belief will talk about the players they're missing. Uh, we're working in a lot of new faces. Very well said. One of the things that the Cardinals organization, and, and, and let's face it, three years of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury together, there's been highs, there's been a lot of lows, there's been a lot of frustration. One of the things the Cardinals as a team have hung their hats on is continued growth. Cliff Kingsbury took over a three-win team, bumped it up to five. That's forward movement. The next year, collapsed down the stretch, missed an opportunity to grab a playoff spot. But what was the refrain after that? Oh, we got to eight wins. That's a three-win improvement. How dare you call for Cliff Kingsbury's firing? We improved by three games. Last year, Put forth one of the worst playoff performances you could ever imagine. And one of the worst second half collapses you've ever seen. Yes. But what was the talking point after that? We got to 11 we wins. We got to 11 wins. We're a playoff team, baby. Let's reward them. They did what they did their job. Let's reward them. What, are the, yeah. what does that number end up to be this year? It's a good question. It's a real good question. I, I think that that's, that's also a fundamental failure um, from my vantage point. It's not in, it, it can be corrected still. They've got time to, to make good yes. here. But one of the fundamental flaws here is choosing to look at the good rather than to look at the current. And when you take the start of the collapse last year from 10-2 and two to this point and you look at that subset of games, you see a very floundering football team. I think that's brilliant. He's going to go back down to three wins this year, <laughs> then improve the five and eight and eleven again over the course of his new contract, and then get another and then get another one. Right? Exactly. That's yeah. That's how, how it might work. So uh, when you look at what the other teams have done, when you look at teams in the NFC that are clearly in it to win it, the Vikings go out and make a dramatic move. The Eagles went out and made a dramatic move. Uh, the the 49ers made a dramatic move. The Rams attempted to make a dramatic move. They could not get that done. The Vikings got a big train. Twice? I'm sorry. I, I'm, <laughs> I, started, I apologize. No, no, no. It's all right. And, and so it, it, the fact that the Cardinals are doing nothing, it's either it's either a, 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 a belief that, oh, when we get this together, it's on, or it's a, we're not, we're not one player away. And that's, you know... They either believe too much or not enough. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, that's kind of kind of what this is all about. So this is going to be interesting. This really is because, it, you know, it wasn't that long ago, as I've been pointed out to this morning, that you remember when that study clause addendum, you remember that, don't you, Vinny? Of course Wait, you do. <laughs> I must have missed that. Yeah, there was, a, there was a line from Cliff Kingsbury who came out and said that Kyler Murray was the only one to pass their offensive test with flying colors. Hmm. Does it look that way to you now? No. Mm. I don't think that test is being hung on anybody's refrigerator right now. No. No. And so I I don't know what the end game is here. I, I think it's it's just there's there's been there's been a shoestring budget approach to this year that I, I can't get out of my head. I I don't know if it's holding them back or not. But there's been a lot of stuff. You know, there's been a lot of expenditures. There's been money that's had us been spent to get the stadium all spruced up for the Super Bowl. That was mm-hmm. big capital investment. Yes. There's been a new airplane that was purchased. There's been a $7 million um, uh, a fee for every owner, uh, every owner in the NFL that they've got to pay to the St. Louis card or St. Louis for their for leaving that city. So there's been a lot of peripheral stuff that might be chipping away at at the 
at the, you know, at the put it in the college fund. <laughs> it might be chipping away from, from all of it. I don't know, but I just it's all starting strange. to lose my head with yeah. this football team. Week nine of Bix Picks is here. Text pick to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize, a 75-inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text pick to 620-620 to enter. Coming up next, Sarah Kazelta us through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning to you, everybody. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Great to have you all with us this fine shenanigan, shenanigans <laughs> Wednesday. There it is. I'm Sarah Cazell taking you through the biggest stories of the day with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Yes. And Jarek Carlin. Dude. I love my ASU football. You know yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I figured I would hear that again. Yes. All right, the Phoenix Suns. There's uh, a movement on Twitter, by the way, that says you've, you've crossed over to the Sun Devil side of things with your knowledge of ASU quarterbacks yesterday. I love my ASU football. You know yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> sure thing, Welcome aboard, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, am I on the train You're now? You're on the train now. Oh, I love the train. I hear, it's, up. I hear it's a great place to be right now. All right, the Phoenix Suns <laughs> won their fifth straight game last night. Speaking of great trains to be on, they beat the Timberwolves 116-107. The Suns are now 6-1 and one on the year. Cam Johnson. Red hot last night. 7 of 11 from 3, 10 of 17 from the field. 29 points total, plus 3 steals and a block. Mikel Bridges, after the game, was bragging on his teammate and how much Cam Johnson has grown. He's doing great. Just like taking advantage of opportunity and taking shots, but driving and also getting all the way to the room and passing. Like, literally doing everything. And um, I think the biggest thing from him is his defense got so much better and he's just taking a lot of pride and, you know, just not going sad, like just locking up and being tough and physical. So he's been, he's been, he's been hooping. He's been hooping. He says, where have you guys seen Cam Johnson make his biggest leap this year now as a starter? Well, that's only one game. I mean, I think, I think he's pretty much struggled and, and, and that's, that's to be expected. He's being thrown in the starting lineup, um, being asked to kind of replace Jay Crowder. It's probably a lot. It's a lot. There's a, there's an adjustment of to playing with that starting unit when your role has been dramatically different and maybe it took him a little time to find a comfort level. Um, but it, but if, but if this is the beginning of a new level of that, then, then it's all good. I thought uh, specifically last night, Sarah, uh, strides defensively. Uh, there were stretches. That was a nasty defensive game and stretches. You wouldn't know it by the score necessarily yeah. getting up to where it got, but Cam Johnson played some some good rugged defense at times last year. You know, can we see that on a more consistent basis? I think that's what the Suns are counting on by by leaning on him more as a starter, but um, we know he can shoot it. We know, you know he showed the athleticism again at times last night, but uh, defensively was is it for me? Yeah. All right. The Suns are now six and one. That is the second best record in the league, only behind the six and zero oh Milwaukee Bucks. There are two five and one teams: the Trailblazers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Last night, uh, right after the Suns game, Charles Barkley said this on the postgame show: "The Suns. I got to tell you, the Suns." 
trying to think who else is good in the West. Golden State. I'm trying to think who else is good in the West. Oh, so oh, now Golden today. State's not a good team. Wow. good today. <laughs> okay, and that turned into wow. like six wow. minutes of arguing. So clearly not <laughs> seeming too impressed with Golden State. Charles Barkley is not at this point in the season. Well, he, he and Draymond has got, have got a thing going on. They've got a little beef, and now he and Clay Thompson are kind of beefing yeah, that, as well. That, oh, yeah. I forgot. That's right. They do. Yes. A bad one. Charles okay. Barkley hurt Clay's heart. He did. He did. When did Clay get so soft? Mm-hmm. Is he okay? in old age. I'm learning. <laughs> I've definitely softened. Sarah the Ruthless has softened. Can uh, you imagine what I used to be? Oh, boy. I know. <laughs> okay. So Charles Barkley not willing to uh, compliment the Golden State Warriors as one of the best in the West yet. Are you guys willing to go there? Where, oh, yeah. Suns, oh. Warriors, how do you stack them up so well, far? Well, listen, I, I think a lot of that is coming out of the fact that last night the Warriors lost a game to a Miami team that just brought it at them. Brought it at them. And Jimmy Butler afterwards is crowing about guaranteeing they're going to win a championship. So I think that color, that viewpoint, I think also the beef he's had with Draymond and, and now getting called out by Clay Thompson. I, I, I don't mind Charles saying that because, again, I, that was it's so bizarre for Clay Thompson to be lost in his feelings like that. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of torn on this. Charles isn't wrong. Through eight games, Golden State hasn't been good. Their three wins came against the Lakers, the Kings, and the Heat. Uh, they've lost three the straight games, but they're Golden State. They're right. they're gonna they're, are they going to be there at the end if they're healthy? Absolutely. So yeah, they're still there. They're only better than record wise three teams in the West right now, if you can believe that. Yeah, that's wild. It's been a wacky time in the West, like you said. It, it's it, it, last night there were MVP chance in Oklahoma City for Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh. Kawhi Leonard suddenly can't play basketball again. The Clippers stink. Everybody thought they were going to be great. Right. Right. Everyone was stacking the Clippers above the yeah. Suns. Golden State Warriors, uh, they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter last night, and I think that kind of influenced what Charles is saying, right? Yeah. A little bit. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You got to follow what's happening in the now. Charles is doing that. Like oh, I said, no, he's listen, not wrong. True. Oh, and, and, and listen, he knows a soft team when he sees it, which means he's not going to get off the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's quickly move to the NFL. We saw a lot of activity, more than we usually do at the NFL trade deadline yesterday, um, but that did not include the Arizona Cardinals. They did not make any trades uh, or, or deadline moves, but reportedly after the deadline, Steve Kime signed a linebacker out of the Houston Texans, Kamu Grujay Hill. Uh, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo said yesterday that Grujay Hill had recently asked the Texans for his release from the team. Your thoughts on this signing, guys? Does this do anything for you? Nah. No, no. A depth guy. I mean, he was decent last year. He's by uh, full admission. I've watched zero seconds of Houston Texans football this what? year. Um, but if you look at the PFF grades, awful. Listen, 79th out of 80 linebackers graded. The only guy he's ahead of, Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder. Love that guy. Love that guy, Tay Crowder. He's making burners. Ah, I want a Tay Crowder jersey. I want a Tay Crowder jersey. I can't find one. No, I'm not a, I'm not a burner. I'm just a Tay Crowder Be fan. Be patient. It's coming he, soon. He tweets in all lowercase. <laughs> Apparently he plays in all lowercase, too. Oh, boy. So to answer oh. your question, Sarah, no, I mean depth Man. guy. No, okay. it's it's just it's it's a bargain basement deal. I mean it's it's the it's the same thing with Robbie Anderson, although Robbie's actually you know had some successes. Yeah, it's it's nothing. It's just a depth guy. It's a body. It's so nothing. Did the Cardinals make a mistake then by not making any larger moves? I don't think so. <laughs> That's my I, way of I, saying I, I doubt that this is fixable. Yeah. I, 
I don't know. I don't know if they made a mistake. It just seems to me that if they were desperate to get this thing right, that maybe you do something. I. Oh, can I amend my statement? I don't think this is fixable, but if it is, it has to be fixed by the guys that are already in place. It can't be fixed by these these guys coming in from the outside. Right. And, but, and the, but, the, but the corollary to that is if they do fix what needs to be fixed, and then suddenly the defense starts achieving commensurate to the talent on that side of the ball, then you're going to be kicking yourself for not fortressing and buffering that side mm-hmm. while you're trying to fix this side. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yes, well done on the reboot. We're all rebooted. Sarah Cazell taking us through every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, we'll uh, get into some of those NFL trades outside of Arizona. Thoughts on that and some quarterback critique for one of the big names in the NFL. That's all straight ahead in NFL hash marks. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata, hash marks. Yeah, the Broncos were holding out for a first-round pick and more to deal Bradley Chubb, and that is exactly what they got from the Miami Dolphins, who decided they don't really need any picks. All they want is really, really good players. They got a ton of really good players. On offense, just added a huge one on defense with Bradley Chubb, the former first-rounder. That's Ian Rappaport of NFL Network with one of the big deals that went down before the deadline. Man, there was a flurry of activity. Somebody pointed this out on Twitter. I forgot to jot down who it was, Bick, but there were years where the NFL trade deadline would come and go, and it was just that. That was the story. Hey, no trades at the deadline. There was like 12 deals done yesterday alone around the league. Cardinals didn't do any of them, but the big one, uh, and we talked about, hey, if you're the Cardinals and you're Steve Keim, are you interested in somebody like Bradley Chubb? Uh, They've struggled in the pass rush this year, although it was a little bit better against Minnesota on Sunday. Um, Do you give up more draft capital for a guy who's probably going to be a rental for you? Uh, And that would have to tie in with your belief that you could save the season. They didn't believe it. Miami did. They give up the draft picks, and Chubb is headed to the Dolphins. Okay, so you had 10 trades involving 14 teams, which is nearly half the league. And again, I am absolutely astounded at the change in the tone of the NFL trade deadline. Mm -hmm. For decades and decades, teams were not will did not like to trade football players in the middle of the season, and for a lot of different reasons. You you bring in new guys; they've got to learn new stuff, and you're putting guys on the street who might go and take your secrets elsewhere and that used to be a big hang-up for football coaches now and now it's a different story the trade deadline has become one of the more entertaining um days on the nfl calendar uh-huh. and it's and it's also quite something i mean miami got bradley chubb that's a big piece to add to their pass rush which is really the only thing that's holding them back now that tua is back and playing again at, at a really high level uh the bills added the running back they need and naheem hines they added a safety from atlanta that's pretty good um we know what the what the 49ers did beforehand with christian mccaffrey uh what the eagles did um with the with the bears what what a lot of teams have done is seizing the moment and and kind of latching on to this to to add pieces it it's something very very new for for long time uh, watches of the NFL. Yeah. The big question that came out of yesterday's is do they need to change where the trade deadline is on the calendar? Is it a little too early for 
I, I don't think so. I like the fact that it's making teams roll the dice. Yes, like you give them too long. You've had eight games for, for a lot of these teams, seven or eight games to figure out what you are, what your deficiencies are, and whether or not you're really in this thing. Yeah. That's more than enough. But yeah. now that there's 18 weeks, maybe one more week, one more week so all the teams have played either eight or nine games in a 17-game season. Because even if you, we talked about it, even if you're the Cardinals, that one extra week, because if you beat Seattle this week, it's so much different than if you lose to Seattle on what you're, you know, want to go at. Yeah, this but you're not going to set policy based on the circumstances of one Based football on team. the Cardinals, they should change right, the rules. Right. <laughs> so I, I Who's know, with me? I don't know if it's one week. I, I think a lot of people are thinking maybe we should be looking at this like after week 10, after week 11, something like that. But, yeah. but, I, but I think you're right. I think by then, it, the the fact that it's that decisions become clearer later takes away some of the excitement of what do we do here? Do we roll the dice here or do we not? Yeah. Um, one thing that you can count on is whether it's in the off season or at the trade deadline, uh, people will be talking about the Green Bay Packers and what they didn't do because they didn't go out and get a, a receiver for Aaron Rodgers nope. again, which just seems to be a running cruel joke on Aaron Rodgers now. Not that we care, but that's a team that's three and five. And they decided we're not going all in, and they play in a division with a team that has a six and one record in the Minnesota Vikings. That might be the Packers just saying, "All right, if you could figure it out, Aaron, go ahead. More power to you." But we're not, we're not spending anything to help you figure this yeah. out. It's been awful to this point. No, I know, I know. So it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see where the season goes from here. Um, November, it's it's the moving month in the NFL. It's it's. This is the time the teams that are serious want to hit the gas pedal a little bit. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals have got three of these games right in front of them. Bang, bang, bang. It's it's really a pivotal fork in the road for them. Yeah. Russell Wilson has been a huge topic of discussion this season. His first in Denver. It is a weekly occurrence. The Broncos offense struggles. It's also a weekly occurrence now that people take shots at Russell Wilson. Uh, one of his former teammates, Richard Sherman, who's now part of the Amazon Prime Thursday night crew, uh, he was on Von Miller's podcast. Yeah, Von Miller's got a podcast now, too. Um, and he wasn't necessarily all that critical of Russell Wilson, but maybe more critical of the situation that Russell Wilson is in in Denver. Listen to this. You can't just put anybody in any scheme and think, oh, well, I'm just going to make him fit my scheme. Like, you got to, like, it's almost like they didn't even watch tape of him in, in Seattle and say, hey, okay, this is what he likes to do. This is stuff he, that's like saying, hey, I know Von like to rush from this side. All right, I'm not even gonna worry about where you like to rush from or this where you make great rush. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him rush. Yeah, I'm gonna put him. More, I'm gonna use him how I'm gonna use him. You know what I <laughs> mean? And expect him to be effective. And then when he's not effective, be like, "What's wrong with Vaughn? Yeah. Like, no, it ain't. What's wrong with Vaughn? What's wrong with you? Vaughn rushes from here. You rush him from here. He's gonna be the Vaughn you expect him to be. If you have Russell Wilson run the plays that he's run and had success with, he will be the guy you expect him to be. But when you run him, have him run offense he has not run in the 10 years he's played, expect him to to, to struggle until he figures it out. I think there's a lot of truth wow. to that. It's not all that uh, Russell Wilson is responsible for part of it as well, because that offense has just been atrocious. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense. Yeah. And how, I don't think they even watched film of Russell in Seattle, because he does look like a completely different player. Yeah, so, so blaming the quarterback when maybe some more blame should be placed on the head coach. Where have we seen that before? <laughs> uh, It'll come to me. Yeah, so that's that's interesting that of all people, one of his most loudest critics coming mm. to his defense yep. like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they had a talk, and I wonder if, if, if Russ just said to him, hey man, I don't know what this cat's trying to do. <laughs> 
Yeah. Speaking of the but Seahawks. Let's ride, Vinny. Let's ride. <laughs> Broncos country. Yeah. Let's ride. Um, speaking of the Seahawks, they beat the Giants on Sunday. They continue to win. Of course, they're next up for the Cardinals on Sunday. Tyler Lockett, their wide receiver, who caught a touchdown pass against the Giants, commented, um, he said, it's amazing what we can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. Everybody just immediately jumped. Like, uh-oh, that's a shot at Russell Wilson. Maybe it was. Lockett said it wasn't. He tweeted out, people need to stop reaching. I've said this quote like five to ten times since I've been in the league. Stop looking for a story and just let us enjoy our team. Both things could have been accomplished with that. He could actually believe it. It could have been a veiled shot at Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. But also, you're using the same quote five to ten times in the same career? Come on. Branch out a little bit, Tyler. Well, yeah. (laughs) If he used it five to ten times in his career, that seems to bolster the fact that he was talking about Russell Wilson rather than detract from it. Maybe. Um. And because that offense is is operating at a uh, at a really crazy efficiency, I saw a stat that just absolutely blew my mind yesterday. The lowest percentage of misfired passes in the NFL. It's Geno Smith by a mile. Really, meaning he has got the fewest fewest really off target passes. Yeah, it's. I don't, it's unbelievable. What kind of a world are we living in right know. now? I don't know. It's there's up is down, down is up, all sorts of stuff is all sorts of weirdness. Cat to dogs living together. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> right. And I and and I think that it's not done in the valley or not done in the NFC West yet because uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked about Odell Beckham Jr. and and he really seemed like that door might be opening. Now I don't know. Mm-hmm. What that would do for the 49ers, but that's clearly a team that's all in it to win it. He's flirted with a lot of teams, OBJ. Yeah, well, let's, let's not. Uh, this is uh, exclusive uh, this morning from Forbes, real quick before we get out. Uh huh. Headline Dan Snyder hires Bank of America to sell Washington Commanders. Is that right? That's uh, the headline from Forbes. More developments on that coming up, too, on today's show. But you know what's next? Eight o'clock. That means one thing, the Bickley Blast. It is next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.